This podcast is brought to you by Harness Racing New South Wales. It's good times all round at Harness Racing across New South Wales as the state's finest horses and drivers go wheel to wheel. With something for everyone, a trip to the trots is the perfect place to take family and friends. It's easy, affordable and action-packed, so get down to your local track and experience it firsthand. Get all the info at harnessmediacentre.com.au and we'll see you at the track for good times all round. There is no more respected horseman in Australian harness racing than Bernie Hewitt, who recently completed his most successful season as a trainer-driver with 118 New South Wales wins. Bernie was away to a good start in the new season, but a heavy fall at Ugaura in the Central West on October the 7th has slowed his progress at least for a few weeks. The accident happened seconds before the start of the Canola Cup final. Bernie was driving Alta Equus, drawn on the outside of the second row, when the horse drawn on his immediate inside suddenly veered out. Alter Equus crashed into the outside fence, dislodging Bernie, who sustained multiple injuries as he made contact with the rail and several down posts. Bernie is pretty sore and he's carrying a few bruises and cuts, but thankfully all X-rays came back clear. Based at George's Plains, about 12 kilometres south of Bathurst, Bernie Hewitt has been a key player on country tracks for many years and invariably makes his presence felt whenever he comes to town. He's an expert breaker and educator of young horses. He's a great conditioner of the racing standard bred and he holds his own in the very top company when it comes to race driving. There's only one positive to come out of Bernie's tumble at Ugara last week. It's the fact that we've been able to pin him down for a podcast. From George's Plains, a big welcome to Bernie Hewitt. Thanks for joining us, Bern. Thanks, John. Yep, my pleasure. So to use that old expression, you're sick, sore and sorry. Yeah, that's pretty right. I'm feeling a lot brighter now, you know, it's sort of about five days later and um, you're still very sore, you know, elbow and, and thumbs are both sort of, uh, oh, one's got a bit of a chip, they reckon, in the in the joint, but uh, yeah, ribs, the whole work's all still pretty sore, but I'm moving around pretty well. The Canola Cup has been a really good race for you. You'd won it three times previously, but it wasn't to be this year. Now, Burn, this was a freak accident. Can you explain, as simply as possible, what happened? It was a pretty unusual one. Yes, John, it was a probably the formation of the uh, field uh, probably contributed to it. There was four on the front row and, and six on the back row on a, on a tighter half-mile track. Mm. Um, I actually got my horse into position uh, pretty early, uh, six on the back row with no horse in front of him. And when Matty Rue brought the horse he was driving for Brad Hewitt inside me mm. into the five on the back row position um, and no horse or gate in front of him, he uh, he restrained him so he didn't run onto the front row and um, he took exception to it, the horse, and... Um, and uh, just uh, jumped side or went sideways straight out under me and put me mm. out into the outside rail. Mm. Now, you must have held onto the reins because it dragged you along for some distance. Yeah, uh, yeah, I wasn't real sure. It all happened pretty quick. I hit a, hit the rail pretty heavily with uh, around my rib section and um, 
and uh, you know, obviously try and hang on to them. But uh, I, I must have hung on, but also got pinned against the fence by my my upturned gig and mm. and the pressure of the other horse still continuing to run out and. Um, it sort of dragged me up along the fence and uh, around my right hip area, right higher leg hip area, and at the same time must have twisted me because I kept cracking my left elbow um, mm. on the uprights of the of the running rail, the posts that hold the running rail up. So, mm. um, yeah, that wasn't wasn't good. I, I felt like my arm was getting busted off every time I hit a post. So, um, mm. yeah, but uh, eventually we dropped to the ground and, and yeah, got out of the, that situation. Well, obviously you couldn't drive the horse, but the vet cleared Alta Equus to run in the race and you had to find a new driver literally within seconds. Yeah, well, I was in the uh, in the Ambo and they come along and, and said to me, uh, who do you want to drive your horse? And at that stage I wasn't given two hoots about uh, <laughs> having a driver or who was going to drive. I actually thought the, the horse would have been out as well because, you know, he could read up the track for some distance. But I, I obviously didn't watch it too far. But um, they said, "Oh no, the horse is fine. So if you if you want to start him, we'll let him go around." And at that time, I thought, "Well, yeah, if he if he's fit enough, he may as well go around." And even from the, the ordinary jury, he was a chance of picking up money. And um, mm. so uh, they su- suggested Steve was there, ready and raring to go. So I said, "Yeah, grab Steve. There's no better driver in the in the Central West or anywhere in the state for that matter." So Steve no. jumped on and, and did a great job with him. And Bernie's talking about Steve Turnbull, of course, who didn't have a drive in the final. Well, Bernie, you've been an active trainer and driver for pretty close to four decades. And when you look at the number of times you've been around on all sorts of tracks, you really have been one of the lucky ones. Yeah, there's uh, not too much doubt about that because, yeah, as you say, the number of times you go around, I think um, I think every driver can vouch for it that's had some experience that, over the years, you, you you miss accidents by just experience. You see them happening, and mm. and can sort of uh, get yourself in a position to to avoid any any scrimmages. And um, I think over the years, um, we all learn that and can see something happening, and just can make a little bit of room here and there so things don't happen. But yeah, mm. you inevitably still get you know some accidents, and I've had a few along the way. I think you've had more serious ones at home than you've actually had in race falls. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I had one uh, some years ago uh, when I was training at the Lagoon and when uh, I recently moved to Bathurst and um, broke an ankle there when actually young Josh Turnbull got tipped out and his horse got away and I attempted to pick it up, which I did, but it was pretty pretty stirred up and it got a leg under my wheel and tossed me out and um, and uh, broke an ankle at that stage. And um, yeah, so that wasn't, wasn't uh, ideal and Oh, another day. I, I just broke a number of ribs in the in the stables, actually, just with the horse pulling back and um, mm. actually collapsing on top of me before I could get out from beside it and um, crush me against a, a rail. And, and that was that wasn't much fun either. I can tell you. Mm. Funny thing, you were on a high just before the accident at Ugara because another of your horses, right about Lexi, had finished a cracking second in an earlier race in very fast time. She's a nice mare, Bernie, right about Lexi. She's already won 10 races. Yeah, yeah, she's one of Lex Crosby's breed and um, and they, it's just like a little factory at the moment, especially in the Philly side of that family. They all just keep turning out, um, you know, great little race race mares and um, she's just another one that's come along and um, she's uh, she hasn't been anything brilliant earlier on in the career but always, you know, just on 
below the top ones that she seems to be getting uh, you know stronger all the time and uh, and uh, you know it's probably a first step in the free for all company that day and um, she ran a cracking race as you said and and um, had a good horse of Steve Turnbull sit outside her and um, you know just proved too strong for her but they, I think they ended up running one fifty six eight or something for the yeah. furlongs around Yagara which is uh, I think took a second or so off the track record long standing track record. Mm. Well, you're a member of a trotting dynasty from Crookwell on the New South Wales Southern Tablelands and your late dad, Tom, taught you and your brothers, David and Mark, all there was to know about sheep, cattle and standard-bred horses. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, there was the four kids there, my sister Jenna as well. Um, she was just as heavily involved as, as the boys were and... Um, we all had uh, sheep work and cattle work to do all the time, as well as the horse work. And actually, we got rid of the cattle back in, I think it was a 72 drought, and um, concentrated just on the, the horses and the, and the crossbred sheep. So we, we, Dad was always a great uh, producer of fat lambs. And um, as the years went on, the, the more interest all the kids showed in the horses, the the uh, the less used we'll carry because they're running more more and more uh, standard red mares and and you know yearlings etc and um, yeah it was sort of like a disease that got into us all and yeah mm. there was no shaking once once we all sort of got heavily involved yeah you tell me your dad Tom Hewitt was an old world master horseman yep yep dad uh, you know he grew up in the in the days I suppose when young young horses didn't actually race too much so. Um, you know, I remember as a kid, we used to uh, have our muster days over at my grandfather's place, Harold Hewitt's, and um, mm. they had a, a big corral there, and um, all the kids would be all over the rails, and, you know, from all the different families, and in come the, the herd of horses, and some of them hadn't been touched, you know, at, at younger age at all, and all hadn't had much handling at all. So mm. those were the days you'd be, you know, gelding horses and, and then later on breaking them in. So um, it was quite interesting when you look back now when, these days when you, um, you know, the horses have so much more handling as young horses and, and young horse racing is, you know, it's a, it's a really big thing in both thoroughbred and harness racing. So, but Dad uh, come through in that era and, um, you know, he could break horses and uh, handle all type, types of situations and, and not only could he train and drive and do his own shoeing and, and uh, teeth, you know, do his own dentistry. And mm. He... Um, he um, also, uh, I'm just trying to think, he was, um, yeah, not only a breaker, but he, he, he took them right through to the races, of course, and, mm. and was an accomplished driver himself. You mentioned your sister, Jenna. Bernie, yeah. she was very adept with the horses and she could drive one pretty well, but yep. I think your dad made it very clear to her early in the piece that she was not allowed to drive in races. Yeah, well, I wasn't um, I wasn't a hundred percent sure of how that happened. I've heard that, but um, Jen used to do track work at home, and she was, uh, you know, and she still did later on when she married Grant, mm. and um, and had the family coming along. She could, she was still quite an adept driver herself, and um, but um, she um, she never you know went on with it and did trial drives or anything. But uh, as you know, anyone that can jump on and steer, and they're a great help around the stables, and um, Jen mm. still is today for. For Grant and Jen, uh, Grant and Dennis, mm. and all the kids there. So yeah, it's very, very handy. And uh, not only that, she's 
she's obviously helped Grant and the family up there with all their sheep work as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Jenna and Grant produced a son called Dennis, and yep. he's very well known in the harness racing world, Dennis Picker, who does a very good job. He's at a place called Bigger, not far from Crookwell. Yeah, that's right. Um, John, um, Bigger's about oh, probably 30, 40 miles from Crookwell, and um, mm. yeah, Dennis has, Dennis has been uh, a very talented boy right through. He, um, he, he was a natural with the horses. Um, I think uh, him and Grand, well, he could, obviously my daddy called him Granddad, used to be able to see something in Dennis along with some of the other boys as well. Mm. And, um, you know, he was, he was always very keen, uh, Dennis was, to, to get into the horses. And um, he was also a very talented football player. Mm. Um, he actually came up here and played at Bathurst when he was working for me in, in one period. And unfortunately, he did his knee, but he did a lot of, uh, played a lot of, um, uh, football in various uh, um, uh, places, um, you know, in, in the rugby league. And he was, mm. he actually, uh, one night they did a kick for cash thing at, at the Channel 7 or Channel 9 was running and he actually kicked the kick, kicked the goal for the $5,000 at Crookle. So <laughs> he was quite good with the boot as well. So, mm. but, and a very good shearer as well. I remember one time when he was shearing here and, or working horses here, he hadn't shown for quite some months, and um, yeah, they rang him up and wanted him to represent New South Wales in the Australian Shearing Championship. So he went to um, he got got up one morning and flew out from Bathurst to um, to WA, and mm. uh, off he went. Mm. He arrived back, uh, I think it was either late Sunday night or, or Monday morning, and uh, must be Monday morning. I said, How'd you go over there, mate? He said, Yeah, it went pretty good, and um. I said, would you do any good? And he said, yeah, I won. <laughs> he, he hadn't shown a sheep for about three or four months, so no, I thought no. yeah, it just shows his, his talents, you know. Absolutely. Now, I want to talk more about that place where you grew up, Crookwell. It's situated at an altitude of more than 800 metres, resulting in some major snowfalls through the winter months. It's a cold place, Burn. What are your memories of the Crookwell cold growing up? Yeah, well, Crookwell was always good for a, a few a few snowstorms every year, and, and we're about 25k out of Crookwell, uh, back on the Burrow side. So we dropped a fair way out to Lost River where we were. So mm. they weren't as heavy out there when the big snowfalls came. But so we used to catch a school bus, and often we'd be on our way to town. And I remember distinctly one day we we're going up a hill, um, Selms's Hill, and we um, all the kids, all the older kids, had the smart idea that. When we got to the, you know, peak of the hill or halfway up the hill, all the kids run to the front of the bus. Uh, that happened this day, and the whole bus driver went crook because when everyone moved to the front of the bus, there was no traction on the back wheel. <laughs> and because the bus sat there and spun and, and then had to reverse back down the yeah. hill. Um, yeah, that was some of the funny things, like, you know, when your kids like that happening. But, yeah, I remember once um, I had to take the truck to town to... Um, to, to train a, mare, a good mare I had called Pretty Sassy. Mm. She um, was engaged in a big race at Harold Park on the Friday night and I needed to get some work into it because the tracks at home had fell apart with the with the bad week. And I managed to get the truck to town through the snow and and uh, saddled her up beside the truck in at the showground. And, um, you know, it was just as cold on the protected side as the truck as it was just blizzarding underneath the truck. And mm. um couldn't feel myself, my hands 
you know, gearing her up even, and out we went onto the track, and I, I worked around being aware of the conditions and the, and the snow drifts on the track from the big pine trees there, and I thought, oh, I can't go too hard on her, so I give her some pace work there that I thought would, you know, at least blow her out a bit and get her ready for Friday night. And I did the work, and, and off I come back to the truck, and, and the poor mare, I thought I'd blew her up because she was so, she was blowing so hard. And, was uh, she? <laughs> yeah. I sort of thought, oh, jeez, I think I've un- overdone her here. And, yeah. of course, I had to uh, ungear her and rug her and get her back home. And, and uh, anyway, she, she went out on uh, on the Friday night against the quality field of mares, and she went and parked up outside them, and uh, mm. she just outgrown them again and was too good, yeah. Oh, she was a bonnie mare, pretty sassy. We'll talk about her a little later. Now, Byrne, we're just going to pause for a moment on the podcast to clear a commitment. We'll be back with you in just a moment. It's good times all round at harness racing across New South Wales as the state's finest horses and drivers go wheel to wheel. With something for everyone, a trip to the trots is the perfect place to take family and friends. It's easy, affordable and action-packed, so get down to your local track and experience it firsthand. Get all the info at harnessmediacentre.com.au and we'll see you at the track for good times all round. My special guest is Bernie Hewitt. Bernie, you tell the story of a gelding called Smoky Comedy, which was trained in the Crookwell area, and uh, you tell me he was a real handful and his trainer at the time got you to take him home to your place for a while and see if you could sort him out. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, Kicker Callagher, uh, Philip, is his, his proper name. Uh, we all knew him as Kicker right from when we grew up as kids. He's a bit of a larrikin fella, mm. uh, son of Jack Callagher from Crookle. Um, he he was had the horse and owned the horse and was having troubles with him and, and couldn't get this horse to behave. So um, I remember him telling me he was putting a, the long shafter on him and taking him out high up the road out one side of Crookle there and mm. trying to educate him just in a straight line instead of, you know, getting him away from the track and, and I think it just beat him in the end. The vehicles and trucks going past just uh, was upsetting him even worse. So I, he asked me just to take him and see if I could uh, sort him out out of the farm. So mm-hmm. did that for him. And um, I remember I, I actually we were full up in our stables, our limited stables, and I put him in uh, in the cow yard and had him had him sort of rugged up and fed in the in the cow yard. And um, mm-hmm. anyway, eventually he started coming around, and he was a big, strong horse, and. Um, and eventually, you know, with a bit of work and perseverance, he seemed to start doing things pretty right. And um, he actually ended up uh, being my first winner. Yeah, your first winning drive. He, you were 17 and yeah, Smoky Comedy won a race at Canberra. I'll bet you've never forgotten it. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's not only your first win, but I suppose a lot of horses have a lot of stories. But, you know, when there are bits of rogues and that type of thing and there's a bit more satisfaction involved when you when you can actually achieve with one like that, yeah. The first really nice horse you got to drive was Nickelong Shadow. He was tough and he was genuine and he kept doing the job season after season. He had an astonishing record, Burn. He had 153 starts, 45 wins, 50 placings. You drove him in 43 of those wins. Now, your dad trained him all the way through and Tom actually got to drive him a couple of times when he won. One of his wins was in Adelaide. It was a pretty good race. 
Yeah, the Golden Nursery Stakes was their feature two-year-old over there at the time in South Australia, and uh, Mum and Dad did the, well, basically a trip of a lifetime to go travel that far. And I've always sort of wanted to do similar, but they they went and stayed at Mildura about halfway, or a bit more than halfway, I think it is, and um, and then went on to Adelaide. And um, it was a big, big, um, big thing for the family to have our good horse go over to Adelaide, and so <clears throat> they did done a terrific job and. And us kids, I think at the time we were all playing a bit of sport in Crookle and and we, uh, you know, we all met at the pub uh, that night to to try and uh, well, would have a have a meal and a, and a few beers and listen to the race. But then mm. when we went out to listen to the race, we couldn't uh, pick it up on the radios in the car then because there was no sky uh, coverage or anything then. So mm. we all um, jumped. In. I think two car loads of us went up to what we call North Crookle up high in the higher peak and. Um, we tuned in and um, and and listened to the race, so it was a great thing because um, Mickalong, I think, he was running last most of the race, and um, mm. he, he not only came from last, but he had to skirt around the whole field, and um, and he, it was a real battle in the straight, and he, he ended up getting up and winning by about a, a head or a meter or something. So it was a terrific thrill for for all the family and mm. mum and dad, of course, as well. Yeah, and the radio reception was okay right through the race. Normally, it'll fade out in the last 200 metres. Well, I can't really remember so um, about that because there were so many of us there tuned in and, and it's a long time ago, but I know exactly what you mean. It comes in and out and so <laughs> forth. But I know no one was allowed to say a word. As soon as we could hear him coming into the call, we're all pretty excited, yeah. Yeah. That horse was so good for you at the time, Byrne. You were in your middle 20s. And you never stop winning on him. Yeah, that's right. Like um, he he was a, a great horse to, to take uh, not only mum and dad around but myself. And um, I remember as a four year old, he was invited to the Gold Nugget in in Perth, mm. and um, and the end of the minion was hot on its heels. So there was uh, there was uh, Rolly Allen and Nicolong Shadow, both New South Wales horses, were invited uh, to the mm. to the Nugget, and um, and dad. Met up with Kevin Rivette and they travelled down. I think in Kevin's truck to Melbourne and, and flew him over. And um, mm. um, yeah, that was another big uh, a big thing for everyone. And um, and Nick along, you know, he, Dad drove him. I think in the Gold Nugget heat, and then I drove him in the final and through the end of the Minion series. So um, it was a really good trip, you know. And how did he fare, Burn, in the Nugget and the Inter Dominion? Um, he ran uh, about fourth or fifth in the Nugget. And then he run. He, he qualified for the final. I remember at the time there was four horses qualified on the on the last points. Only three could get in to get into the final. Um, and he ended up. He was one of the ones that got through. And it was a um, the draw was on uh, split prize money. Uh, the top five earners drew from seven out, and the, the lowest earners went from one to one to six. I think it was with the with the reserve in, I think it was. And unfortunately, Nicolong drew the, the widest he could. He drew the sixth gate and um, in his division. So I, I didn't have a lot of option but to go back and chase shortcuts. And um, he ran a, run a super race. Um, the last heat he had, he run second, was really coming, you know, to his, his peak. And the draw sort of took the wind out of our sails a little. Mm. Um, but he ran a terrific race and... Um, he was only beaten about six or seven metres or something, uh, running running uh, fifth or sixth, I think. It might have been sixth. Mm. Uh, Raleigh Upper just beat him by head, but there was about seven metres, uh, I think, between the, the first and last horses. And um, 
there's some lovely horses in it, including Village Kid and Black Bag Limit and mm. a lot of Knights horses. Um, Scotty Stewart's good mare ended up winning uh, the race. Um, Which one, Ben? Uh, Scotty Stewart had the mare. She was by Shadow Star. Yeah, Jody's Babe. Uh, was it Jody's Babe? I didn't think it was. Happy, I'd have to check up now. Yeah, so long ago, I just yeah forgot the name of it. Maybe it was. Yeah, it wasn't yesterday, was it? No, that's for sure. <laughs> but it was a great thrill for the family. And Kath and I had uh, Jason. He was only six months old at the time, and uh, we took him over there. And mm. it was a it was a bit of a look at the heat over there because it was a heat wave heat wave right through the end of that year. And um, mm. yeah, it was it was a terrible hot place and and hard on you know the horses and the and the uh, people involved. You know that. Mm. They've been going in that heat. Mm. Well, Nick along Shadow, you'd have to say he made his mark as a sire. He got a lot of winners. And, Bern, I seem to recall a lot of his mares did well at the study. He was a pretty good broodmare sire. Yeah, that's right. Like, he, he did a job. He obviously wasn't attracting the top quality mares. Um, uh, you know, at the time, there was always the imported stadiums coming in. But he did a great job, and, and we... Um, we obviously tried his stock at home with the mares that Dad had accumulated, and um, he did a, he did a very good job. And even today, you still see some influence in the in some of the results. You know, with um, some of the Nickelong Shadow mares still still producing winners today. You know, mm. did Dad actually stand him commercially at the property, or was he there for friends only? Yeah, no, he's commercial. Um, you know, he, he still uh, attracted some out, you know, quite a few outside mares. Um, and back in those days, we were sort of um, we were pretty busy. We were standing through a four day, and so uh, there was a lot of work going on. But uh, Nickelong always attracted, you know, his fair share of mares, and um, he did a great job. Around yeah. about the same time as Nickelong Shadow, uh, Dad had a very nice mare there called Takita. She won thirteen races all up, and you drove her in every one of them. Okay, yeah, yeah, I didn't realise that because, um, yeah, that was another one, Dad trained and she was a body mare and they actually did work together, those two, a fair bit and um, she was a lovely mare. She was by um, King Rancio, who was another another juvenile that Dad brought through and uh, stood, stood at the start at home, a hilarious way, uh, cult. Um, but she was a great mare and had a terrific turn of foot and... Um, Mm. Now, I'd love to have both those back again these days and uh, I'm sure they'd still compete at a really high level. In the same era, and you've already mentioned this mayor's name, pretty sassy, Bernard, you may have forgotten, she won 22 races, pretty sassy. Hard to do in any era and there were three nice wins at Harold Park there. Yeah, that's right, John. Yeah, she won... Um well, she won, uh, you know, one of the feature mares races called the Queen of the Paceway, and I'm not sure if that was before the the two mares championships. She won them both them in uh, consecutive years, and then she went on and won the Jim Reeves Sprint, which was one of the big sprint races there, beating the, the Open Free for Alls. Um, so she was a great mare for for us at home, and um, I remember taking her to Melbourne for the Victorian Oaks and. Um, She'd raced at the Crookle Showground on the Sunday and, and she got beaten on the little tight track that she had to come from back in the back in the field and uh, skirted wide and, and she went down but I knew then that she was ready to go, just the run the run was terrific. So she went to Melbourne and, and she um I'm not sure what she drew on the on the 
Saturday night at Mooney Valley, but she ended up winning the Oaks heat. Mm. And um, I thought, yeah, she was the best chance to win a, a feature at that time. And um, and unfortunately, she drew probably the worst number she could have, and that was barrier one in the final. And uh, she didn't have a lot of gate speed, and she was duly crossed by forty to one shot, who handed up, who mm. handed up again, and she ended up last at the uh, half mile with a lap to go. And um, anyway, the last lap was another searching wide run and uh, she made all sorts of ground up and um, she finished just about a, a metre from the finish, uh, from the winner. Um, Shelley Lee, a West Australian filly, won that uh, uh, that race. And mm. um, was, yeah, she was one of the, the strongest mares I've ever had anything to do with. Now, while you've been talking about Pretty Sassy, I had a peek at the record books concerning that inter-dominion we were talking about earlier uh, in which you drove Nick along Shadow. Was that about 1987? Yeah, I think that's right. And it was Jody's Babe, yeah. Yeah, Jody's Babe, yeah. driven by Scott um, Scotty Stewart, who must have worked for Vin Knight at that time. Yes, yeah. That, I'm pretty sure he did. Well, he's related. He's a, a nephew, I think, mm. or related there somehow. And... Uh, Anyway, that that was the, the result there, yeah. Well, Byrne, I'm going to bring the curtain down on segment one of our podcast interview and we'll be back with top trainer driver Bernie Hewitt in segment two coming up shortly. 